We have communion at the end of the service. Uh, just want to bring your attention to that. We, uh, a number of weeks ago, began a brand new series called Wrestling with God. I, my sincere and humble hope is that you are wrestling with God on some topics. I really do hope you are wrestling with God kind of on a daily, week-to-week basis. Uh, this idea of God and Jesus and Christianity and faith and following him day-to-day is anything but easy. I hope you know that. I hope that gives you some freedom. I hope that allows you to kind of sit back and go, okay, this is difficult at times and that's okay uh, because it is not easy. If you look at even the beginning uh, parts of the church being born, it is so abundantly clear this whole idea of faith is not an easy thing. We could tend to make it easy with Sunday school answers or just making quick assumptions and then moving on. But once we begin to dig deeper and we take truth, theological truth found in the scriptures and hold it up as a backdrop against what we experience in life, it can be complicated and it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle with what life throws at us. This morning is no exception. Uh, wrestling with the topic of fear. I assume in this room, you're, uh, we are all scared of something. Uh, maybe you're not scared of someone, like you're big, tough, and, and you're not afraid of anything uh, or anyone, but maybe you're a fear, uh, in fear of an illness or you're in fear of the unknown or, or if you're uh, really going to be honest, Wes admitted to me uh, this week that he's afraid of female clowns. Uh, and so uh, we all have our issues. Um, so, you know, love Wes, God does. And so uh, we all have fears. This is an interesting thing because fear has really emerged uh, in the church today. And perhaps above all others is this idea of fear. Even if it's a holy fear, if you would, like what are the end times going to be like? And, and how is it going to work when Jesus comes again? And, and when he comes to, quote, judge the living and the dead, like how is that going to work? Like we have these fears, some call it concern, some will call it uncertainty or worry and anxiety. The Bible actually is really clear. It calls it fear. It doesn't beat around the bush. It doesn't try and soften it. It just says we have these things in life called fear, fear about illnesses, fear about recovery, fear about relationships, Fear about our future, fear about our future school, fear about our kids' future, fear about finances, fear about failure and maybe letting God down, fear about not living the kind of life that the gospel suggests to a follower of Christ, fear about the direction and the path of our children as we get ready to do these dedications next hour. Fear is something that is so prevalent in our lives. And sometimes, some of you, if you were bold enough to admit it, sometimes fear can grip us so heavily that we're paralyzed. And so that's why we're addressing this wrestling with God. You might be interested to know that God has a lot to say about this subject in the book called the Bible. What do you think is the most common uh, command, if you would, direction, instruction found in all the scriptures? 
Fear not. It, it is interesting that, that he gives these two little words found over and over and over all throughout the scriptures. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Do not live in fear. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. But just to make sure that you understand that fear is not always a bad thing, because we want to make sure we're clear on that, and that you know the difference between good fear, that is a, a good fear that teaches us right and wrong or appropriate boundaries and alerts us to real dangers, right? We, those are really good things we want to teach our kids is how to identify a good fear. And then a bad fear, that, that fear that holds us back, that keeps us from becoming all that God wants us to be. And so just to make sure we're on the same page this morning, I'm going to test you a little bit on what is a good fear and what is a bad fear. When I'm done with the uh, suggestion, you just respond, good fear or bad fear. Does that all make sense? Morning, Will. Good to see you this morning. We'll wait for you. That could be a bad fear. All right, so here's number one. The fear that keeps kids from playing Foursquare on the 36. Good fear or bad fear? It's probably a good fear. You don't want our kids going out on the freeway and deciding they're going to play a game of Foursquare. Why? Because they're going to get run over and die. Okay? Good fear. Don't do it. The fear that keeps you from pursuing your all-time dream job. Bad fear. Yes. Jack, behave. All right? The fear that keeps you from closing your eyes when your best friend says, just trust me. Yeah, that's a pretty good fear right there. All right, anytime your buddy goes, bro, just close your eyes. Trust me. Trust me. Like, don't. Don't trust. Okay? Uh, that is when mistrust keeps in. All right, how about this one? Some of you have experienced this. The fear that keeps you from freely expressing your feelings to that police officer who just pulls you over for speeding in a school zone, even though that there are other people out there going much faster than you on the road. Good fear or bad fear? Good fear, honestly. Just because you're right, just because you have something to say, doesn't mean you should say it. Okay, and just because there, everyone else is going way faster than you, and you're the one who got caught, doesn't mean you need to thoroughly explain to that police officer. Okay, the fear that keeps you from telling your teacher what you really think of their test the day before the final grades are posted. <laughs> Definitely a good fear. If you're a teacher in the room, you can attest to this. Kids, uh, students, you've experienced this. Teachers often don't want your opinion of them. Okay, we think as students or adults that it's freely solicited. We can just tell teachers whatever we think whenever we want. And the reality is they just want you to be quiet and do your thing, right? So maybe a good fear to keep that to yourself. This one is, is good for some of the teenage males in the room. The fear of asking that girl out on a date, knowing that everyone is watching and the result will be chronicled in the Denver Post and listed on every major news site that follows you. That's a pretty good fear, Ethan. Okay? That's what gets you in trouble. See, that's why we're doing this morning. Good fear, bad fear. The fear of talking to that one person at school that everyone else is ignoring. Good fear, bad fear. It's a bad fear, but you know what? We all feel it. 
And you could even take that, take you students out of it. You could just sub in an adult, that, that adult that no one is talking to. And we feel like we should go talk to them, but we feel a fear. And we can label it as a bad fear, the one that is not from God. It's not, it's not doing any good, and yet it's still there. It's still an existing fear. And over and over and over in the Bible, we read about two different mindsets that, that people can live with regarding fear. We can either trust God and his goodness, his power, his grace that will take care of us, that he will empower us in that moment to go act when we know we should, even though we feel fear, or we can choose to be literally paralyzed by a fear that keeps us from going and, and doing something. It basically says, if, if I don't take action, if I don't protect myself, no one else will. If I don't put up a guard, if I don't put up a wall, if I don't make sure I'm safe, then I'm not going to be safe. Something I can't handle might tiptoe through life or peek around the corner or underneath the bed, and so I have to be careful. And it's this idea of carefulness as a response to fear that can get us in trouble. And, and even if you say, well, I don't even like the phrase get in trouble, you could substitute in. It can keep us from truly experiencing life. And so the question I want to ask you to wrestle with this morning is, which of those two mindsets do you tend to live with? One that is fearful and cautious, and protected, and remembering the bad, and rehearsing the bad, or one of faith. A mindset of faith that is looking to address fear and still move beyond. And you see all throughout the scripture, we read about these two different sets of people facing the same exact situation, the same exact adversity, if you would, in their lives, and yet one chooses fear and one chooses faith. If you turn to Numbers chapter 14, uh, Moses sends out 12 scouts to go check out the promised land. These scouts go and, and they report back, they see that the, the land is filled with milk and honey. They see that it's flowing. Everything that God has promised is sitting there for the Israelites and more. But there's a problem. There are giants. We sang about this in that new song that Alex and the team led us with. There are giants there. And these 12 scouts become fear-filled to the point where it changes what they think. They come back and they say, we can't take that land. There are giants in the land. And I know that God said it's going to be our land. I know that he promised it. And I know that we can trust him. But I'm not kidding you. There's really big giants there. We can't go. But there's two other scouts, Joshua and Caleb. They go out to the exact same land. They see the exact land that's flowing with milk and honey. They see the green pastures. They see all that God has promised them, but they come back with a different response. The exact same situation, but a different outlook. One is based in fear. One is based in faith. 
And they come back and they say this, we should go to the promised land for certainly we will be able to possess it with God's help. You see, this is just one example of many where two people can view the exact same situation. One turns towards faith, one turns towards fear. One is gripping, one is paralyzing, one is freeing the adventure that awaits us and that is coming. David's a young shepherd boy who goes to the battlefield. It seems that the Philistines have a great warrior. His name is Goliath. And day after day, Goliath would come out and challenge any warrior of the Israelite camp. And day after day, the soldiers would see him, but they were way too scared to fight. David sees him and goes after him with a slingshot, the exact same Goliath. Now, you might decide you want to pick apart the exact story of David and Goliath and the slingshot and the the battles. It is an example for us. One sees a giant that's facing the person and, and deals with it in fear. One sees the giant and deals with it in faith. I wonder for you, what is the giant that's facing you? What is the giant that you have faced? Have you faced it in fear? Have you faced it in faith? Jesus and his, his disciples were in a boat one day on the Sea of Galilee, and a, a huge storm comes up, and the disciples begin to freak out and panic, and they start screaming that they're going to drown. And they look over at Jesus, and he's sleeping peacefully in the bottom of the boat. Same storm, different responses. Same situation of life, a different outlook. One based on fear that is gripping, that is paralyzing, that literally holds you to where you can't move. One that brings peace and faith. And in all these stories and many, many others like them, people in the Bible are faced with the same circumstances, the same challenges, And some respond with deep, growing faith, and some with fear. And there's a large difference between a response of fear and a response of faith. Make no mistake about this. As we go through life, and adults in the room, you would uh, speak this to the younger generation that is here, you are going to face obstacles that put you in a position where you're either going to have to address it in faith or you're going to have to address it in fear. And so we wrestle with this because fear is a very real thing. And again, the Bible's most frequent instruction is do not be afraid. Do not live in fear. Live with a mindset of faith, not a mindset of fear that keeps you from becoming who you're supposed to be. And so the question is, why? Why does God choose in the Bible to make his most frequent command, his most frequent instruction in all of the scriptures, do not fear. Why is that such a prominent part of the Holy Scriptures? We're going to look at at least three this morning. Number one, because fearful living will slowly erode your confidence. Fearful living, and, and you could... You could address fearful living with no matter what circumstances they might be. But 
fearful living will slowly erode your confidence in areas not even concerning your fear. It will slowly chip away at who you are as a person. The American Psychological Association published a book a few years ago on self-esteem. And the question that they were asking is this, why do so many successful, smart, well-liked people struggle with low self-esteem? Smart, educated, empowered individuals and yet have this grip of low self-esteem. And after gathering and summarizing the research, what they found was that it all boils down to one issue. When people are faced with a difficult situation, a fear-producing situation, do they face it or do they avoid it? Those are the two situations that, uh, that the American Psychological Association has narrowed down. And what the research shows, that is if you face your fears, if you take action, if you move towards them and not away from them, even if things don't turn out well, in other words, even if it's not successful, even if it doesn't turn out well, even if they don't turn out like you had hoped for or even that you planned for, you will experience delight. This is fascinating in regards to how faith works with this. In other words, even if you have something that you're faced with that's a dilemma and you're fearful of it, but you face it head on, you will know that you did a tough thing. You will know that you actually took on a challenge. And from that, just a little bit of strength, and now here's where we'll insert faith and confidence will build in your soul. You see, faith and 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 confidence in God are, are very similar to how we address fear. We don't just decide, like for me, I, I'm pretty deathly afraid of, of sharks and porcelain dolls, okay? <laughs> Judge me, please. Uh, and I can't just, like, I'm not gonna overcome my fear of sharks by being put in a cage in the Pacific Ocean with a bunch of steaks, and have the sharks come ram the cage and so that I face my fears. That's not, 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 it's not how I'm going to face my fears, okay? I'm also not going to face my fears by sleeping in a room full of porcelain dolls that are looking at me. And I just go, oh, man, I just got to face this fear. All right, eyes on me. And, and all of a sudden, like, I overcome it. It happens little bit by little bit by little bit. It's the same thing with faith. It's the same thing with confidence. When something is facing us and we're fearful and we feel like we should retreat, we feel like we should backpedal, and instead we face it head on with God at our side and we address that fear, it may not turn out the way we thought it would, but what happens is we get a little bit more faith. We get a little bit more confidence. We get a little bit less fear. I don't in any way want to say, hey, if you just face your fears today, they'll be gone tomorrow. I wish that were the case. It's not. However, if you avoid facing your fear, even if things work out extremely well for you, deep down, you'll know that you wimped out. Deep down, you'll know that you should have said something. You'll know that you should have moved on something. You should have acted. That God was prompting you, but you were too scared 
to do it. And did it work out? Sure. But you'll know. And God will know. And when that happens, a little bit of your faith, a little bit of your courage, a little bit of your confidence does the exact opposite than when you face it. It shrinks a little bit. You have a little bit less confidence in this God. And time and time again, when that happens, your self-worth, your confidence just gets chipped away at, just chipped away. And that's the work of the enemy, is he wants to just chip away at your faith and at your confidence in this great God that we serve and worship. And then it eats away at your confidence, and it will keep you from taking the risks that God is longing for you. Maybe it's a mission trip and you're like, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go to a place where they don't speak my language and, and, and where I'm not going to have good food and, and, and I'm not going to sleep very well. I'm afraid. And you keep yourself from experiencing that, that mission trip. Maybe it's inviting uh, a, a friend to uh, winter camp and you're afraid that they're going to say no, but they are waiting for you to ask because they will say yes. So it just chips away at that. You go back to the person that no one's talking to at school or the adult at work, and you know you should go talk to them. You should be that one, but fear grips us. Number two, fearful living will produce stagnation in your life instead of growth. You know, our, our mission statement here at, at Rock Creek Church is we want to enable every single person to take a step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We want you to grow. This morning, I woke up way early, and I just, I had a, an enormous burden on my heart, like a heaviness on my heart for the church. And, and the burden felt a little bit like this. I so desperately want you and me and everyone else who walks through these doors to experience the God of all creation, to experience life in Jesus Christ, to understand his love and his mercy and his grace, to experience his peace, but also to experience the thrill of being led by him. In other words, growth. I long for our church to grow in faith. Whether we grow in numbers or not, really, quite frankly, is not a concern of mine. But I long to be with a group of people that are growing in faith, that are growing in their relationship with God. And for us, fearful living produces stagnation in our life instead of growth. God doesn't want you to live and, and, and to exist in fear. Why? Because you're not going to grow. You're going to get stagnant. And you know, one of the things that we're constantly talking about at this church is discipleship. It's the central mission of the church, of God, of what he has created. And discipleship is, is simply becoming someone who looks more like Jesus and lives more and more of their life for Jesus. But it also involves risk. It also involves doing that thing you don't want to do, but you know God is telling you to do it. And then acting on it. You see, growth always involves risk, and risk always involves fear. 
always. God called Moses to go back to Egypt where he was wanted for murder. We tend to forget that. We just tend to go, Moses went and said, let my people go, and there were some frogs and some other things that happened there. He's wanted for murder. I don't know if you've ever been wanted for murder. Usually if you're wanted for murder, they look for you pretty hard. If you have an outstanding speeding ticket, they don't put all the resources to find you. Wanted for murder, all resources. Are you with me? He's wanted for murder. And he's told to go confront the most powerful man in the world and say, let my people go. And Moses, God said, he's not going to like that. Because he knows if he releases the people, his economy is going to crash. So I know, Moses, check this out. Moses, I'm asking you to go do something really hard in a land where you're wanted for murder. And it's not going to be received really well. In fact, you're going to be hated. Good luck with that. Fear. I don't know what to say. Who am I supposed to say who sent me? And God says, will you go? He told Daniel, I want you to defy the king. I want you to pray to me, the one true God. And Daniel, when you do this, you're going to get in big trouble. You are going to be arrested, and that's the least of your worries. How's your fear of lions? Awesome, we're going to address that fear. Will you do it? Will you defy the king? Will you trust me? Noah, I want you to build an ark. You're going to be mocked. You're going to lose all of your friends. In fact, you're, you're going to be the laughing stock of the entire neighborhood. But I'm going to send rain on the earth, Noah, and, and flood the world and start again using your family. So how about it, Noah? Are you with me? It's going to make no sense for a long time. Are you with me? And I wonder how this one happened. God went to Jesus, his only son. And how does this conversation happen? Jesus, I want to, I want to send you to earth. And I want you to become a man. I want you to live a pure and a blameless life and, and show all the people how to walk with me. But in the end, it's not going to go well. You're going to be betrayed. You're going to be tried. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be mocked. You're going to go to a cross. You'll be naked by the end. And you're going to die. But three days later, I'm going to raise you from the dead. And together, we'll defeat the power of death forever. Are you with me? Fear, when we experience God calling us to do something, to be something, to say something, is very, very real. And yet in that moment is the greatest gift we could have. Why? Because God is speaking to us. An intimacy that cannot be manufactured. It can't be read about. It can't be studied. 
it has to be personal. It has to be real. And here's the thing that so many of us often miss is, again, choosing faith over fear doesn't happen all at once. It goes back to our growth element and, and me facing my fear of, of dolls and sharks. I'm not going to do that all at once. I, I'm not going to sit down and read the Bible from cover to cover tomorrow. I'm not going to go and speak to every person that, that needs to hear the gospel tomorrow. I'm going to begin by stepping out in faith of that which is uncomfortable, and I'm going to wrestle with God on that, and I'm going to be constantly looking behind me, looking over my shoulder, making sure he's with me because he wants me to address some of these giants in my life. And it's something that grows little by little. It's something that we practice in really, really small ways. Maybe this involves a, a very difficult conversation you need to have with a friend. Maybe it's a really difficult, way uncomfortable, but you know it has to happen conversation with a family member. Maybe God's calling you to a new job or, or a new vocation, and, but you're gripped with fear and doubt. Maybe it's calling you to take a financial risk, but it makes no sense on paper. Maybe there's a health crisis with you or your family. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe God's calling you today to acknowledge sin in your life and to finally address it. I don't know what it is for you. But I do know that fear is very, very real. It affects our breathing. It affects our health. It affects our sleep. It affects our relationship with other people. And it certainly affects our relationship with God. And finally, this is the last one. A mindset of fear is contagious. You with me on that one? When we're around people who are scared, we get scared. A mindset of fear is contagious, and it will get passed down from one generation to the next. You know, we're doing this incredible dedication today of, of these sweet kids. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts, uncles, our kids are watching us. My kids are watching you. They're watching your faith or lack thereof. They're watching your fear. They're watching you when we walk into this room and there's maybe someone standing off to the side and you as an adult are too scared to go say hello to them. They're watching you show up late to worship. They're watching you not sing. They're watching you not share Christ with your neighbors. They're watching. 
On a regular basis, our kids are watching us. And faith is not just something that we know and understand. It's something we live. It's something that we do. And because faith is caught more than it's taught, our children are watching us. They're watching us to see very carefully, do we as adults play it safe? Do we back away from risk or do we address risk? Do we let worry and fear dictate our perspective and our decisions? Do we value security more than we value opportunity and adventure and living a life of Christ? Do we really just trust Jesus or do we just talk about trusting Jesus? Are you with me? Are we, are we understanding this? We must decide that the model this fearless faith that we long for to the, the next generation, to these students who sit in this room. Because guess what? They're our leaders someday. They're the ones that are our teachers. They're our doctors. They're our pastors. They are our plumbers. And whatever else you're going to end up doing, Ethan, like, I'm not saying you're a plumber, um, but they are the next and for me, as a pastor, I want to do everything within my power to unshackle these students and the kids that are in Voyagers and Climbers and Explorers. I want to do everything within my power to unshackle them to live a life of faith that cannot be held down. To experience the life being led by the power of the Holy Spirit and this personal relationship with Jesus so that they realize this is real. It's not just something we go through the motions. And it begins with us, faithful, mature adults growing in Christ, that we choose we're not going to live in fear. And we're certainly not going to allow fear to hold us down and keep us from becoming who God always longs for us to be. Because some of our hope is found in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And that's a, a really good reminder for us as we approach this table. This table that reminds us we don't have to approach it in fear. We don't have to approach God in fear. We can go and sit and have a meal with him. We can remember all that he did for us. We can remember his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness over and over again. And it's new every single morning, every single day for every single person, irregardless of what happened last night, irregardless of what happened even this morning. This table is the direct opposite of a table of fear. It's a table of hope. It's a table of peace. It's a table of love. And so I, I want to encourage you as, as we get ready to continue to sing that, that you would approach this table and have some alone time just with you and God. Whatever that might look like, whatever you might say to him, whatever he might say back to you, wrestle with your fears. We all have them. 
Maybe you have to address your fear tomorrow, or maybe you have to address your fear immediately after this service. But I beg you to consider the truth of the scriptures that God does not want you to be a slave to your fear, that he wants to be able to set you free to live and live for him. So if you could help us by going down the side aisles and going back to your seat up, up the middle aisle, that would be greatly appreciated. Take the communion as, as you are, are ready to do so, and then we'll continue to worship. <laughs>